We're going to talk about forgiveness as a church today. And I, you say, now what in the world has that got to do with me coming out of the cage? So if remember, we've been talking about this whole issue of being in the cage of unforgiveness and about releasing ourselves from the cage and realizing that the key to get out of the cage of unforgiveness is held by you. And if you're going to unlock that door, you've got to unlock the door yourself and let yourself out of the cage. So we've been talking about that for the last few weeks. Now you're saying, okay, I understand that I'm the one and I need to find forgiveness for myself and that I need to forgive others. But what in the world does this cage have to do with us as a church? Why is it so important for me to have an understanding of this cage as a church? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. There's a couple of reasons why. Let me just kind of go through them real quickly with you. Number one, this cage is not just a single occupancy cage. When we talk about the issue of unforgiveness, it's usually just not you carrying it. What happens is, is that as you share with others your pain, as you share with them what has happened to you, what tends to happen is, is that others join you in the cage because they take up a reproach for you. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Some of you know this from your, from your marriage relationships. Some of, you know, when you're, when you're first married, you make a lot of dumb mistakes. Have you noticed that? And one of the most dumbest, stupidest mistakes you can make is, is complain to your family about your spouse. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Okay? And what happens is, is, well, you know, I'll just take, let's take Billy Bob and Cindy Lou, okay? Billy Bob does something dumb with Cindy Lou. And what happens is, is Cindy Lou then tells mom about what Billy Bob did. Now the problem is, is that mom loves Cindy Lou so much that nobody can hurt her baby. And what happens is, is then, is that now mom is upset with Billy Bob. Now here's what happens though. As happens in marriage relationships, listen to me, Cindy Lou and Billy Bob kiss and make up. They're okay with each other. But the next time they go over to mom's house for dinner, Billy Bob's wondering why he's getting all the burnt meat instead of the choice cut of the turkey. Did you understand what I'm saying? Because mom, I mean, Cindy Lou may have forgiven Billy Bob, but mom hasn't. Do you know what I'm saying? This is what I want you to understand. See, we've we got to grasp this concept that the issue of forgiveness is more than just a thing by yourself. Getting out of the cage has to do with everybody else as well. Because the tendency, our tendency is to take up a reproach for somebody. And I've met them, folks. I've met folks, they're angry at somebody because of what somebody did to somebody else. Then a few days later, you see the somebody else with the person that they're angry at, and they're okay. But somebody else is still stewing about it. 
because they're in the cage. That's the first reason why we're going to talk about it, because our tendency is, this is not by ourselves. And you say, okay, what does that have to do with the church? Well, here's the other thing. Church, and sadly, I've been there, you've been there, creates an atmosphere where unforgiveness flourishes. Church creates an atmosphere where unforgiveness flourishes. Have you noticed that? Now, the reason why is, is because usually in church, we have this concept that, you know, we've got to deal with sin, we can't condone sin, and so we have a tendency to kind of squash and get down on people who aren't doing right, and then what happens is, is our tendency is, is that when we express to them and deal with them, we don't forgive them. So actually what I find is, is that most Christians in most churches are not forgiving. And so when you have an atmosphere of unforgiveness, it only adds to people when they struggle with their own unforgiveness. So why should I forgive you? Because at church, we don't forgive anybody. So we, those are the, really the two reasons why we're going to deal with it. It's our tendency to take up a reproach for others and the fact that in church we create an atmosphere of unforgiveness. That's reality. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Let's just see, so I can see that I'm connecting with people here today. Now, don't raise your hand now. How many of you have experienced what I'm talking about? You don't need to raise your hand. I don't really need to know. Because the reality is we've all experienced it happening. So what, what do we do about this, George? How, how do we find forgiveness as a church? Well, Paul addresses that in his second letter to the Corinthians. So I want you to notice with me verses 3 to 11. And we're going to talk about this whole issue of forgiving others as a church. Look with me at verse 3. I wrote this very thing to you, lest when I came, I should have sorrow over those from whom I ought to have joy, having confidence in you all that my joy is the joy of you all. For out of much affliction and anguish of heart I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have so abundantly for you. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be so severe. This punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So that on the contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Therefore I urge you to reaffirm your love to him. For to this end I also wrote that I might put you to the test whether you are obedient in all things. Now if you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I indeed have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Lest Satan should have advantage of us that we are not ignorant of his devices. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to look, divide this passage into 
I think, three sections here. Number one, we're going to look at the crime and punishment. We're going to look at the sin that took place and then how the church responded to it. Then we're going to look at the call to forgiveness. Because even though they did deal with sin in their midst, they didn't deal with it properly. They didn't deal with it in a way that was was good. And so Paul's going to talk about the call to forgiveness. And then we're going to talk about the reason for forgiveness. And so from this, here's what my hope is today. My hope today is that from this passage and from the words I'm about to share with you, that it's going to challenge us, every one of us, to allow this place, to allow us, the church. You understand, the church is not the building. Does everybody understand that? The church is the people. I mean, the building could crumble. Hopefully there will still be a Kermansville Christian Church meeting somewhere. Because the Kermansville Christian Church is a group of people. So hopefully, my desire is, is my hope is, is that we would become a place that's known as a place of forgiveness. Where we create an atmosphere of forgiveness where unforgiveness can't exist. That's my hope. So let's, let's look at this passage together. First of all, I want you to notice with me, look at verse 5. We're going to look at the whole issue of crime and punishment. Verse 5 tells us that sin impacts the community as a whole. But if anyone has caused grief, he has not grieved me, but all of you to some extent, not to be too severe. Here's what I want you to see. Paul's saying that when someone sins, in particular he's talking about the sin of this gentleman, it wasn't against Paul, but Paul's saying this, this guy's sin was against them as a church. So I need to lay a foundation here. What happens is, is immediately, when we talk about forgiveness, immediately people are going to look and say, well, you know, if you want to be that kind of church, you're probably going to condone sin. You're just going to turn a blind eye to sin. Nope, nope, we're not going to do that here. Here's what I want you to understand. Sin, if it's allowed to flourish, sin, if it's allowed to exist, will impact the community as a whole. Do you understand that? When you allow people to just go off and do their own thing and not talk to them about it and not help them with their issues, eventually it's going to impact people. And we see that from everyday lives. Have you ever noticed that when sin is not dealt with in families... Each generation struggles with that same sin. Have you noticed that? Alcoholic families tend to breed what? Alcoholics. Here's what I want you to understand. Because sin is not addressed, it will perpetuate itself. So there is an obligation and a need for a church to address sin within its midst. Because again, the church is not what? A building... It's a group of people who what? Come together in the name of Christ. So sin impacts a community as a whole. So then verse 6 tells us that the church dealt with the offender. So here, very clearly, look with me at verse 6. The punishment which was inflicted by the majority is sufficient for such a man. So obviously this church decided that whatever this guy was doing which was wrong, he needed to be dealt with. And so they punished him. Now, the scripture calls for that in a church, if somebody is not responsive, 
If somebody doesn't want to deal with the junk in their life, the sin that they're committing, and they don't want, they're like their attitude is, I don't care what you say, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. The scripture calls for that person to then be removed from the church. To be shunned. To people not have anything to do with him in hopes that because he's no longer a part of the family, he'll turn back and come back to the family. So sin, the church dealt with the offender. Now here's the problem. Well, before I get to the problem, let me explain this. Here's the next point. The point of all church discipline is restoration. Now here's where we differ. Here's where the Bible differs from what most have seen. So for, for instance, let me just stop for a moment. Maybe you are here today and you've been in a church where you saw somebody disciplined. How many of you have been in a church where you saw somebody disciplined? Raise your hand. I just want to kind of grasp what I'm talking about. Very few of you. Okay, that's good. I'm glad. Because what's out there are extremes. And usually what happens in a church where quote, discipline takes place is that the purpose of the discipline is to humiliate and belittle and make the person who did wrong suffer. So, okay, of those of you who saw that at some point in your life, is that what took place? Raise your hand. Yeah, a couple of you have been there. You've seen that. That is not what church discipline is about. In the Bible, when God tells the church to help people and to deal with sin in the church, because if we don't deal with it, it affects everybody else, the whole purpose is not that you humiliate them. It's not the whole purpose is that you make them suffer for what they're doing wrong. The whole purpose is that you restore them back to the relationship that they had with Jesus, first of all, and number two, that you restore them back to their place within the church family. It's all about restoration. It's all about what's best for them. In fact, here, if you want to write this down, Galatians 6.1 says this. If anyone is taken in sin, that is, if anyone has got a sin issue and they're not dealing with it, you who are spiritual, go to him in, in gentleness and meekness. So it's talking about the manner in which you go to a person. Let me read it to you. You who are spiritual. This is a powerful verse. You need to write this down. Brethren, if anyone is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Here's the attitude Paul's talking about. So when I deal with sin in the church, my attitude is to go to that one and to deal with him gently, so that I restore him. I bring him back to the place that he needs to be in his life. Why? I do it because if I don't do it, I realize I could do the same thing. That's the attitude. It's not saying I'm better than you and wagging the finger. It's saying I'm just like you. And yeah, you're struggling and you're wrestling with this issue. And given the same circumstances, same situation, I probably would do the same thing but it's not right for either one of us to be there, so I need to help you out of this. Did you understand what I'm saying? That's the attitude here. So the point of all discipline is restoration. 
Now look at the call to forgiveness. Here's the first part I want you to see. Verse 7 says this, So that, on contrary, you ought rather to forgive and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one be swallowed up with too much sorrow. Here's what I want you to see. There's a tendency to go to extremes. Have you ever noticed that about people? Most people don't live even keeled. They go from one extreme to another. So the one extreme is, I'll just overlook it and who cares? People can do whatever they want. And the problem is, is that affects the church. The other extreme is, is we're going to deal with it. And so I deal with the brother who's in sin and the brother who's got an issue that needs help. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm never going to forgive him now. And that's where most churches land today. Most churches land today with the whole issue of the reality is that we go to one extreme or the other. We either overlook it or we just don't want to forgive them, period. And so until you clean up your life, don't you dare come back. That's the attitude. But the problem is it's not easy to clean up a person's life, is it? And so the attitude is that we tend to go to the extreme of unforgiveness. Now here's what Paul tells us to do. Verse 8. We're called to forgive. We're called to forgive. We're called to remember, first of all, that we've been forgiven. So therefore now we need to forgive others. I want you to think about it for a moment. It just, just entered in my mind. Let's say we have have a person here in our church that's not doing right. They're a member, and so therefore, according to the Constitution and everything, we go to them, we talk to them about their issue, but they don't want to do anything about it. They want to keep doing what they're doing, even though it's wrong. And so in our church, what we have to do then is ultimately, if they don't respond, the church has to make a decision of, okay, what we're going to do with them. And so we decide, okay, we're going to remove them from our fellowship. Now here's what happens. The tendency is, is okay, is to look at that person and say, well, because of what you're doing, we're not forgiving you. Here's what Paul's saying. Wrong attitude. Our purpose is to bring them back. Our purpose is for them to be who they need to be in Jesus. And so... You need to be, what? Forgiving. And here's the attitude. The attitude that Paul's having is is that, who are you to say that you're better than them? Because the problem is, is we know what their sin is. What sin do you have that the rest of us don't know about? You know what I'm saying? It's almost an attitude that you need to forgive them because you need to wake up to the reality that everybody's got a skeleton in their closet. You realize that? Everybody here isn't Lily White. And everybody here has what? A skeleton or two and maybe 30 in the closet. And so, yeah, maybe this person's warts are on the outside and we see it and we need to deal with it. But you need to be forgiven because nobody knows about you yet. And how would you respond if somebody came and talked to you? 
This is the attitude. So we tend to go from one extreme to the other, and the extreme that we go to is the attitude of unforgiveness, but what are we? We're called to forgive. Now, here's the reason why we need to forgive, okay? So if we're going to talk about helping people get out of the cage, if we're going to be the kind of church where forgiveness is the issue, we've got to know why. Why is it so important that we be a church of forgiveness? Why is it so important that we create an atmosphere where we help people with their struggles, but we forgive them? Why? Here's one reason. Number one, it's a test of obedience. It's a test of obedience. You know, if you know Jesus Christ, you've trusted in Him, and if you have been forgiven by Him, here's what Jesus calls us to. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. Over and over in the Bible, He says, Forgive as you have been, what? Forgiven. So if Jesus forgives you for the junk in your life. And let's back up for a moment. Everybody, gotta, Before I go on, let's, let's recognize something. Let's get everybody on level ground here. Every one of you has got junk in your life that's been forgiven, right? Right? So we're on level ground here. Ain't nobody perfect. So... If Jesus has forgiven you, here's the command. You now are to what? Forgive. And the reason that we need to be a church of forgiveness, a reason that we need to be a place where where people can recognize that Okay, if they're in the cage of unforgiveness, they're the oddball and they need to come out of it because they're in a community of forgiveness. It's because it's a test of our obedience to God. Do you understand that? You know what? Can I be honest with you? If we just went by what everybody else said in the community about church, we're in big trouble. Because church in the generic sense of it, to the community, is a place of condemnation. And if that's true, if that's the persona that we're giving, we're not being obedient to God then, folks. Because what God calls us to is not to condemn, but to what? Give. They say, no, well, okay, Georgia, we're that kind of place. That means we're just going to condone what everybody's doing and condone what they're doing. No, 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 no. We just talked about that already. Sin cannot be allowed to flourish because it will affect other people. And so it needs to be dealt with. But it needs to be dealt with in a proper way. And it needs to be dealt with with a spirit of forgiveness. It's a test of obedience. Now, here's the other reason why. It removes a tool from Satan. See, if you have a church 
where there is no forgiveness, if it's not, there's no atmosphere of forgiveness, the, the condition is more condemnation, what happens is it becomes a tool in Satan's hand. Now, you, what do you mean? Well, where you have a church like that, there's a tendency for people in that church to take up reproaches against other people. To get all irritated at other people. To become unforgiving with other people. Remember the story I told you about Billy Bob and Cindy Lou? The fact is, is that we all become the mothers here. And we get upset with people and they haven't done anything to us directly. And this becomes a tool in Satan's hand. Because bitterness then takes over. Condemnation takes over. And the testimony that we should have in the community of love and forgiveness is removed. And so people who should know about Jesus won't come. And we fulfill the we fulfill what Satan wants is to keep people from Christ, isn't it? This is what he's saying. This is what he's saying. Here's the other point. It occurs in the presence of Christ. When we forgive, here's what Paul's saying. Look with me at verse 10. Now, whom you forgive anything, I forgive. For indeed, I have forgiven anything. I have forgiven that one for, this, for your sakes in the presence of Christ. Here's what he's saying. When he forgave that person, he recognized it wasn't just him forgiving. He was doing it in the presence of who? Jesus. All right, let's just stop for a moment. I, I want everybody to wrap their brain around this, so I've got to help you. Here's how the body, how the church is described in the Bible. Over and over, Paul describes the church as being the what? The body of who? Christ. So, obviously what he's saying is, is that Christ is in the midst of his people. Now, if you have a church where there's no forgiveness, where it's nothing but condemnation, is that possible? Because, no, is that Jesus? Is there anything Jesus doesn't forgive? Only one thing, unbelief. So what he's saying is, is that when we forgive, we're doing it in the presence of who? Jesus as a church. See, we need to understand that. We need to grasp that. And you say, okay, George, I see all that. How do we apply this to our lives? Because maybe you're a little confused. Well, here's three things, and we'll wrap this up. Number one, are you carrying a reproach for someone else? Are you carrying a reproach for somebody else? Are you ticked off at somebody because of what they did to somebody else? Are you unforgiving to somebody else because of something that happened with someone else? Now, here's the problem with that. Number one, the two people could have made up, but you're still carrying it. Number two, you've only heard one side of the story. Everybody knows that there are two sides to a story, right? And so here you are, you're going around, you are torqued at that individual. And maybe they never did anything wrong, you just heard one side of the story. So here you are, you're inside the cage. 
You're inside the cage of unforgiveness. You shouldn't even be there, but you're there because somebody else told you something and you took up a reproach. So are you here and you're carrying a grudge to somebody else? And really it's not because of what they did to you. It's because of what they did to somebody else. Is that you today? Are you carrying a reproach for somebody else? Can I stop for a moment? Let me just go ahead. So before you think, oh no, I'm okay, George. I don't do that kind of thing. We all do that kind of thing. You know, I, I'm, I love my kids. If somebody messes with my kids, you're on my bad list. Now, they may have been the reason why something happened, but I really don't want to hear that. Because you're on my bad list. We do that, don't we? We do. Are you carrying a reproach for somebody else? Here's the thing. Unforgiveness has an impact on the community. You know what? You need to get out of the cage. You need to start forgiving people. Because if you're walking in here with an attitude of unforgiveness, it's going to spread like cancer. You say, what do you mean? Well, I've been around it. So have you. If you can't forgive somebody, guess who you're always thinking about? The somebody you can't forgive. Guess who you're always talking about? The somebody you can't forgive. So you might be sitting there and you're saying, boy, wasn't that a great game the Steelers had? And boy, you know, Ben, maybe got to work on the line a little bit. And boy, I hope they do well in the next game. And oh yeah, it was a good game. But you know that Bill, he did that to me. And the guy's sitting there thinking, I thought we were talking about the Steelers. But here you are in your unforgiveness. The Steelers and the problem with Bill are the same. And so all of a sudden, you know, your friend says, well, man, I was talking about Ben. Who, who's Bill? Well, you know, Bill, he, and you, all of a sudden that just opens the door for you to share your stuff with somebody else. And your friend says, well, that's not right for him to do that. He's a schmuck. I've never met him, but I can already tell. Unforgiveness impacts the whole community. Do you understand? It spreads like a cancer. And it spreads like a cancer in a church. And then one day, Bill comes to church. He hears, you know, that's a great church. I want to go there. they got some hopping music. And I don't know about that George guy, but, you know, we're going to come. And he walks in, and all of a sudden, he just feels anger. People staring at him. And he has no clue why. You think he'll be back? And you know what? Here's the problem. is The people who are staring at him don't even really know why they're staring at him. They've just been told he's a what? A schmuck. I don't know what the definition of that is, but it's good, okay? Here's the third point. Forgive as you've been forgiven. He forgave us. He died on the cross for us. 
He didn't have to. We did wrong against Him. And He didn't even bat an eye. He took care of it for us. So now you be like that. Folks, this is what He's calling us to. You know what? Can I be honest with you? There are a lot of churches in our community. I mean, there are ten churches right here in Kerwinsville. I have no clue how many there are in Clearfield. And between the two, there are churches everywhere. I'm always amazed when I'm riding down a road and I'm like, oh, there's a new church. I didn't know that church was there. There's churches everywhere. Let me tell you what we don't need in our area. We don't need another condemning church. That's the reason why your friends aren't coming. But what our area does need is a church where people realize they've been, for what? Forgiven. And what? They'll forgive others. This is what Jesus is calling us to. Forgive. That you've been forgiven. Let's pray.